Live from Orlando, Florida, you're now listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Orlando Magic fans. Join us every week for a unique fan perspective on all of the latest Magic news and updates. The show starts now. What's up, Magic fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Ozone Podcast brought to you by DraftKings and part of the Basketball Podcast Network. We are your hosts, Al, myself, Anthony, and today we have a very special guest joining us. Orlando Magic beat writer from the Orlando Sentinel, Kobe Price. What's up, man? What up? How y'all doing? Good, man. Really happy that uh, you took some time to join us today because we definitely wanted to pick your brain right before you know our first stint out in the summer league in Vegas. But before we really get into that and start talking about it, um, Kobe, you finally finished uh, the this past season with the Orlando Magic, starting your first full season with us. Um, what have you liked about that experience? We know that you came from down south, but now you're in Orlando. How has that transition been for you? Yeah, no, for sure. First off, thanks for having me on. Thanks for the invite. Looking forward to this. The transition has been smooth, to be honest. I've enjoyed getting acclimated to Orlando, uh, to the team, learning more about the team. Honestly, you know, with each passing, you know, each passing week, each passing month, I finally, not that long, uh, maybe a couple months ago, I watched the magic moment. Uh, just to get a little bit of a feel for what's going on. Like, it's stuff that I was aware of, but it's just almost like, oh, yeah, there's that, there's this. And honestly, just reading old stories. Um, I did a story on Grant Hill because uh, I spoke with him a little bit after his book came out. And the cool thing about that was just, like, relearn, like relearning, or if that makes sense, like relearning things that you knew but you didn't really know, then, like, finding out new details, especially how it relates to the magic. Um, so just learning more about the history has been really dope. And then also, you know, like I said, getting acclimated to the city, figuring out what's what, you know, getting my bearings on the surroundings has been fun. Yeah, I was actually going to ask because, you know, coming from down south, how how much of getting up to speed did you really need jumping into, you know, the magic season um, last season? Yeah, so- it, it was it was more so just getting up to speed with, you know, I guess more so like the not the duties or responsibilities, but more so like the the pace of an NBA season. I've done backup work on an, uh, on an NBA beat before when I was in South Florida. I did backup work, excuse me, covering the Miami Heat for the South Florida Sun Sentinel. But the pacing of NBA season is so much different than like college football season. Just the amount of games, you know, you have, you know, college football is like you get a game every week for however many weeks, basically the fall and yeah, basically the fall late summer and the fall basketball is just like you get two, three shoots, sometimes even four games a week. And he's like, That's Oh, right. how do you balance this? How do you do that? How do you incorporate this? So many different aspects you're trying to incorporate in a season. How do you make stuff stretch? When do you have to like bounce on something X, Y, and Z? So that was the big thing, just learning the ins and outs of it and still learning now, to be honest with you. But that was like the biggest adjustment for me. Uh, and then, you know, you're learning about the team. The thing is I was keeping, I was such like a, if you want to call me like an NBA head, before I took this job. So I had an awareness of the magic, even though they weren't, you know, winning. Uh, I had an awareness of them and just like where they were at in terms of their team. I knew, you know, I'm grew up in Chicago. So I knew they, you know, traded Vucevic. I saw the trade. Angle. I remember actually I was with my stepdad. I was in his house when like all the trades were happening. And we were like, I felt like it was like every 20 minutes, I would go upstairs, come back down. Did you see this? <laughs> <laughs> Chicago and I come back up and go back upstairs. They traded a Gore and I was like, okay, yeah. So I knew and I had an idea. Dumpster fire. Yeah, we were just talking. I remember this. Yeah, this would be March 2021. I've been, I would have been at his house and we were just talking about it, like all the things they were doing. I remember that vividly. So it's kind of funny, uh, almost like a full circle thing. 
but just having that in my mind and you know, keeping up with them as much as I could uh, where I was at before, it made for a smooth-ish transition, but it was just more so like the duties and responsibilities. That's just not duties and responsibilities, ins and outs, the details that you may not know until you're actually in it, that, you know, that that's the more, I guess, uh, the thing that I need to adjust to the most. I feel like if if you have anyone or if you know anyone that's especially now because now would be the great time for anyone that maybe was on the edge to wanting to follow the magic more or you know maybe they're a fan of Paolo and now they want to follow the magic i feel like this magic moment is like the perfect documentary to get your feet wet and to kind of get the history because it does a really good job at kind of bringing everything together because from what it feels like it kind of feels like you know that documentary kind of repeated itself one too many times afterwards so it's definitely a good way to get acclimated no i agree it's yeah it's it's a smooth one. It's a smooth one. I would suggest, I would suggest it completely. Now, Kobe, with that being said, again, you got pretty much now what many consider a dream job, you know, covering an NBA team, getting to travel, hang out with the players all the time, interview them. Looking back at it now, it's heading into your season two now. In my mind, after the draft, it's a new season, right? So I'm um, heading into season two now with the Magic. What was your most memorable moment? in your first stint with the covering the team? Anything that just jumps at you was like, whoa, that was a wow moment for me. Yeah, there there were a couple. I mean, it was more, if there was just one, I'll say this one. The The moment that still like comes back to me and I, it, it just comes keeps coming back to me is the moment where Markel checks in for the first time after coming back from his injury and like seeing the hug that he gave uh, Jamal Mosley, Coach Jamal Mosley, for checking into the game and like the I think he checked I'm pretty sure he checked in for Cole Anthony um it was like kind of because I feel like it was like during a free throw or something like that or maybe like during the time they called a timeout and he just went in um but that was a moment I recorded it too and I was just like oh yeah they I could tell like because when I joined the beat obviously he was injured and like people were like so like where's what's people hitting me up like where's Markel at what's he doing <laughs> et cetera et cetera and then like so I could tell how anxious people were to see Markel back out there, but that moment almost made it clear, oh, yeah, they really rock with this dude. Um, and the love that they showed, you know, leading up to that day, and especially that day, was just like, okay, yeah, I could see I see everything. Now. I see how much Magic fans are, how much they really, you know, like I said, rock with Markel. Now, I got to say, uh, on behalf of all Magic fans, especially Magic Twitter, man, we loved you those days. You kept us busy those days. You do the clips coming out with Markel shooting. And that's one thing you'll know about Magic fans. Anything, I mean, actually, Philly fans, too, back in the days. Anything with Markel will get you a ton of likes, a ton of retweets on Twitter. Um, but I recall that. That's actually when it kind of, you jumped at me, like, knowing you covered the team. You kept putting those clips out there. As the date got closer of his debut um, and his uh, comeback from injury, it's all those clips you kept throwing at us and just kept feeding us at least something with Markel because, again, we, we died for that content. Like, there was nothing going on. We were losing a bunch of games. That, that gave us hope. So on behalf of all Magic fans, thank you so much for, for all those <laughs> clips because, again, it truly uh, kept, us, kept us motivated, at least with the year that we had. Yeah, absolutely. Just doing my job, trying to keep everybody updated and informed on the ongoings of the team and Markel's, you know, comeback uh, from the injury. So it's, like I said, just doing my job more than my pleasure. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm sure you're well aware now, but just the amount of secrecy that there was, and there was also a void with, you know, not having someone covering the team from the Athletic and the Orlando Sentinels. When you hopped in, it, you filled such a major void, 
and I just want to take a moment and say thank you because you you've done an amazing job. So if I'm sure you've already heard it because I read it all the time, people giving you compliments. Just wanted to reaffirm that all those compliments are definitely well warranted. So man, y'all, I appreciate y'all, man. We gotta move on to something else. Y'all giving me two. Y'all, y'all yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta, <laughs> gotta, gotta, gotta give that I, I sincerely appreciate y'all. I really do. And I appreciate, you know, I'll say I guess it's like a moment since the season is kind of transitioning or transitioning to the second season uh, covering the team. I do want to appreciate you guys, but also everybody who's followed along, whether it's Twitter or actually, you know, subscribing. That's honestly the best way to, to support and like to keep up with everything. Subscribing to the Orlando Sentinel, that's the best way to keep up with work. Um, with my work, uh, I should say, um, regardless of how you interacted, read, watched, etc., I appreciate you. It means a lot to me, um, and I sincerely do mean that. I just can't. These flowers are just. I got like y'all giving too many flowers. I only got two hands, so we're gonna like, <laughs> save some. Right, right, right. I appreciate y'all. Let's, 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 let's switch up the mood. Free agency. All right. So it's it. The Magic decided to kind of bring everything back and kind of stick with what we've seen, what we know. And for the most part, the fan base is kind of split, right? Some people are are for it and they understand the reasons why we're bringing back Gary Harris, Mo Bamba, even the little bit of Bobo that we got. Um, but the other half are kind of saying, man, why why didn't we do more? Why didn't we go a different route? Um, what What is your opinion behind that? What, what is the reason by it? Why, why is it that the front office is really deciding just to take the same you know, 22 win season that we got last season and bring it back um, with what we're hoping for a healthy Markel, Jonathan Isaac, and now the addition of Paolo. So I think there's uh, there's multiple layers to that. So to answer your question, one, you know, I think they're, they look at the team from last year and, you know, health plays a factor into it. So let's, let's just say, you know, get a healthy Mark Hellback, you know, Jay, you know, sometimes we forget, you know, about Jalen too. Like he only played what I think 45, 46, somewhere in the mid forties range of games, maybe 44 games, um, you know, missing time with the thumb and then the ankle toward the end of the season, you know, health played a significant factor in how the season went. And even if you go into the season thinking, yeah, we're not going to win a lot of games that, that aspect of it was very significant. I think, I, you know, some of it's kind of skewed because it was it was also like each one more Michael Carter Williams and Jonathan Isaac taking up like the injury time in terms of how many games were missed because of COVID or injuries. But the Magic had the most missed games because of COVID or injuries that, you know, like this past season, if I recall it correctly. So I think, you know, the uh, the management looks at this team thinking to themselves, yes, this is a young team. This is a team that, you know, is going to experience a lot of growing pains, but there's what there's a version of last year's team. Don't forget next year's team, just last year's team that is much better than what it is. If now I'm saying fully healthy, we just have better health, right? If Markel comes back, you know, if he's not, you know, he he's either not hurt or he comes back earlier. Not saying he could have, but if he's just around more, there's a better version of that team last year. There's a better version of that team if you know maybe they prioritize you know, playing some of their older guys a little bit more, right? Like, there are better versions of last year's team that just weren't shown for multiple different reasons. I'm not going to speak for every reason. Y'all can probably figure out why some versions of the team, especially late in the season, weren't shown. Right. But, so, I think they look at this team thinking, we're not, the we're, we're our team isn't, our record isn't fully reflective of our team. Um, I think that's one part of it, right? Two, these are, like, these are all, you know, I think I could be wrong, but like most of these guys are like 25 or under. I think, you know, if you're looking at the roster, 
how it is right now. I think the only guys who would be older are Terrence Ross, uh, Terrence Ross, Gary Harris, and Devin Kennedy. I could be wrong if someone's like just turned 26 or it's like exactly 25 right now. Uh, I can't remember Devin's age off my top of my head, but I thought he's twenty. He's thought he just turned twenty six. Like this is a very young team, and there's going to be more growth ahead of them. And I think this team is very much invested in seeing, you know, which guys stand out from one another. Like last year, it was sometimes it was so tough. Like I said, not just because of the injuries, but also the COVID factor. And yes, they have to evaluate what they can in front of them. But I think they want another shot of, hey, let's give our young guys more responsibilities. Let's give them another full like true off season a, a real off season for most of them to develop to work on their games to come back better the next season and this 2022 2023 season will be a better reflection of their skills their talents where they're progressing than last season was um i think those aspects of it too and then like i said if you get better health you know with markel being you know coming markel won't have to you know he can actually work on his game not just work on rehabbing he can actually truly dedicate his entire summer to his game same with Cole Anthony. Same with Chuma Akiki. You know, he was hurt. What? He was hurt coming into the season. And then I think even, you know, before this, his uh, rookie season, he was coming out of, you know, he tore his ACL and said, you know, rehabbing back from that. That's why he didn't, you know, sign immediately after being drafted. Like a lot of guys were working out of things coming into the season. You know, maybe we don't know what's going to happen with Jonathan Isaac. He'll, you know, is supposed to play at some point this season. So there's a better version of this team, a healthier, uh, if that team is healthier too. And I just think what they want to see it progress. And the other aspect of it is, I'll wrap it up with this. There wasn't a whole lot for them to do outside of getting their own guys back. Like, if you really look at it, I, yes, the Ke uh, Kevin Durant thing materialized when it did. But, I mean, even if you're the most optimistic person, you, you Kevin Durant's not going to come to Orlando for – this stage of his career. Like Kevin Durant is more likely going to most likely going to be traded to a team that has something where he feels like, all right, I'm competing for a championship day in and day out. Even with the things that are being traded for me, I'm going to a contender. It, it's funny. Paulo Bancaro posted that picture of him, Kevin Durant, you know, what's even funnier is that Paulo was just drafted. So I don't know how he got like a Photoshop of himself so quickly. I guess he had that, but like someone's on his either he or someone on the team's working extra hard for these photoshops because he just got drafted. Uh, but you know, he posted that, and the joke is, Paulo, man, if you if Kevin Rance comes to Orlando, you know you're going to be one of those guys going back, right? Hope you just know he's that. Gonna, he's a centerpiece. The yeah, centerpiece. You are the centerpiece <laughs> of that trade, Paulo. I hope you realize that. So that wasn't going to happen, and then you know, I know there was talk about DeAndre Aiden. Like again, this team has the bigs at once. Like they just also got Paulo. I didn't even mention him. It's like that's another aspect of why they're okay with running back. Like that's the most like the draft is funny because it like it happened two weeks ago, however long goes. We almost forget. Oh yeah, Paulo Bancaro's on this team now. That also changes the dynamics of this team. So there's just a, there has been change that we just don't think about because it's like kind of more distant, it's not as flashy or whatever it may be. But you know, there weren't as many options as people may think for this team. Like I said. Kevin Durant, that was new, but you weren't going to be running from anyway. DeAndre Aiden, I mean, maybe, but it didn't really make sense with where you're at in your team. Unless you were really, like, then you're really shaking the ground for that. Um, Anthony Simons, I mean, I know people really wanted him to come back home, but it would have taken a lot to, to just take him from Portland. I mean, as, as we see, as what the contract Portland gave him. So there's a lot of factors as to why this isn't your summer to take a swing. Next summer, and it's been alluded to, Maybe it's a better possibility. 
But this this wasn't it. And I don't blame the Magic. I think the Magic actually had the right idea of, you know, we like this group. We like our young guys. Let them develop. Let's get another year with this. And, you know, the details of Gary Harris's contract have come have come uh, to fruition a little bit. I've heard about Mobamba's deal possibly having some kind of something on the second year where there's a little bit of team flexibility for the Magic. I would imagine Bull Bull, I don't think it's going to be a substantial amount of money, but I would imagine he would have something on the second year of his deal of is going to leave some flexibility for the Magic. So they'll have another crack at it while also getting another year for a better realization of what these guys are and what this team is. I think that's a cool part. So the Magic, again, didn't really hurt themselves long-term. Like you said, Gary Harris, all we've known is second year is not guaranteed. Mo Bamba, not official yet. We're hearing some things as well. So this time next year, we could be having a whole different discussion. It's like, hey, they picked the young guys they liked. They made some trades, and now they're signing some free agents. That could easily be happening again 12 months from now. We're just going to be patient and let this thing play out. Um, but I did want to ask you, you know, you're covering the team. Two guys that we talked about all really the last three, four months of the season was Mo Bamba and Gary Harris coming back. That was a topic that we consistently talked about in the podcast. To actually see them come back was kind of surprising, especially after the Magic, you know, decided to not pick up the qualifying offer on Mo Bamba. Gary Harris being a vet that can fit so many contending teams out there. And he chose to come back to Orlando. Number one, were you surprised? Number two, what do you think that sends as a message to the NBA about the city of Orlando and what they're building here in Orlando? Yeah, so was I surprised? I wasn't too surprised. And I even mentioned this in my story, um, the story when I mentioned that, you know, the Magic weren't putting out the qualifying offer. And I, I, I try to explain in the story. I'll try to explain it now again. The Magic, as we see, them not take like extending the qualifying offer was not because they weren't interested in bringing Mo back. Sometimes when you a players in restricted free agency, especially a like quote unquote non max player or non designated max player, it can get really sticky. Um, it, it's a sticky situation, especially when you're talking about you know offer sheets and um, you know sign here, but then it's going to be two days until you know you have two days to match. It can be it can be very tough for everybody. It can be tough for the incumbent team because you know they're they're going to, their money's going to be tied up or they're trying to figure things out it can be tough for the player because they're trying to figure out like, where i'm going to go like does the team really want me or not if they really wanted me then why am i going through this you know whole process and then it can be tough for the team that's trying to like offer make an offer sheet because it's like we want this guy but we don't know if he's even if we sign him to this offer sheet we don't know if we're going to get him because this team could just match and now our whole free agency is just like maybe not blowing up but it's just a lot more complicated so the magic now offering the the offer sheet wasn't about them not wanting him. It was just about make, doing what was right for them and Mo. Ultimately, they brought him back, um, which, like I said, I wasn't surprised about because even, you know, doing all this, I was hearing that they really liked Mo. They, Mo really liked Orlando. They wanted to bring him back, you know, as long as it made sense for both sides. And ultimately, he did. So I wasn't surprised. I mean, if you ask me at the beginning of free agency or beginning of offseason, I was told it was 50 50 you know, at the time. And even I felt that kind of way. It's like, yeah, he could go. I was more, I was more convinced of, I think he's going to be, I think we're going to just gonna come down to the financials. I thought he was going to get different offers from outside teams. Right. But I think some of those outside teams kind of made their other decisions that maybe change most market. I'm thinking of teams like, you know, the Pistons, right. Um, they were a team that obviously was looking for a big man, you know, but they wind up, you know, trading for Duran, Jalen Duran, right? Um, Charlotte was a team that I was thinking about too, but I, I forget who they got off the top of my head. And but they were a team that was no longer in the market for most. So like the stuff happens over the course of the offseason, it changes. 
So I wasn't surprised by him. Gary was a little bit more surprising uh, just because he's a guy that, especially some teams that are looking to contend, could really use a guy like that. You know, as a as a two guard or even just a guy, you know, a three and D wing who you can just seamlessly fit into any lineup. Um, so I, I was more surprised that he returned. I I heard I, I talked with Gary. He he seemed to really like being in Orlando. He liked being around the team. Uh, we we talked about that kind of later later in March, early April during a road trip. But so I wasn't surprised about his interest in coming back. I was just surprised it worked out to that point because I thought other teams would have pursued him harder. But this is also an offseason which there wasn't a whole lot of cap space around the league just because of you know I think still the pandemic effects. Um, on financials and the salary cap, there's going to be, a, I think, another big uh, significant jump next year. But there weren't many teams like the Magic were one of the few teams working with real cap space, like significant enough cap space. And, and I, to answer your last question, I think it says a lot about the city, but more so this team, this group that those guys will want to come back, especially more so a guy like Gary and where he's at in his career. Uh, it, it says a lot about what this team is building, what this group is doing, that a guy would want to, even if it's for another year or two, however long it's going to be, or even if it's half a season, continue to invest his time um, in, you know, especially for your, for a player, you don't, you don't know how, you don't know how much longer your career is going to be. So to invest your time um, into a team like this, that, that says a lot. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, it, it does say a whole lot that they want to come back, especially because last season we're the second worst team in the NBA. So the fact that they want to come back when they have an opportunity to be able to look elsewhere, I think it really goes to show that, you know, the Magic do have a really good group. And it, whether you're looking on social media, and I'm sure that you see in a person, they really look like they enjoy being around one another. And I feel like at the very least, team chemistry is something that we do have. Now, how do we build everything around that? Now, a lot of people's, I guess, um, the debate with the team is that there's not enough veterans. When you look at the roster, you have, you know, Gary Harris. You can consider Mark Hill and Jonathan Isaac young vets. Um, but then you have Terrence Ross. Now, what are, your, what are you looking at with Terrence Ross? This offseason, we've heard him be vocal on his podcast on whether or not, you know, he, he feels like it's time for him to be able to move on. But he's still on the roster now. Is this something that you see that... We're just going to have to kind of wait around what happens around, you know, the, the getting closer to um, the the trading season. Or what do you think we end up doing with Terrence Ross? Does he just sit here and, and embrace being a veteran? Yeah, I, you know, the Terrence thing has been going on. I, I've spoken with him. He's spoken on his own platforms, other platforms. I think it's very clear that Terrence would. You know, he he has an interest in, I mean, you know, continuing his career somewhere else, especially, you know, at this point. I talked about Gary and, you know, earlier to talk about Gary and how, you know, teams would be, you know, continuing teams would be interested in him, especially, you know, Gary's in the prime of his career and where he's at. You know, he had one of the, his healthier seasons this last season or this last year. You know, Terrence, you know, he's even a little bit more advanced in his career than Gary is. So teams would especially, you know, even Terrence especially would, you know, have a, an even greater incentive to maybe, you know, try to continue his career on a team that, you know, can give him a better chance at continuing for a title um, than the Magic will currently. I, you know, I'm, my expectation is that Terrence is going to be on this roster come the start of the season. That could obviously change, especially how, you know, we're seeing the dynamics of the league, of the league kind of shifting right now a little bit, maybe, maybe not. Like, I think there's going to be a significant fallout league-wide from whatever happens with Kevin, not just Kevin Durant, but also DeAndre Aiden. Um, some of that can be hand in hand. 
and how that affects other teams, I'm not entirely sure because once, and I say that because once these teams make whatever moves, there's probably going to be a team or two that's just like, we need players, right? We need to fill out our roster, but not just any players. We need good players. And Terrence could be a candidate, you know, an expiring deal at 11 and a half million, just over the the non, excuse me, non-taxpayer mid-level exception. He can be a player that got, that teams try to target. He's just like, all right, we need to fill out our roster with, with a solid bet. Where can we got, get that guy at? All right, Terrence, let's see what we can work out. Um, but as of right now, my expectation is he's going to start the start the season on the team, on the the magic specifically, I should say. And then Colby, kind of transitioning into the the summer league, you've been in the practices. They've been practicing all this past week. We already saw the players already landing in Vegas for their upcoming game against uh, the Houston Rockets. But was there was there anything that really stood out to you during these practices? A lot of the fan base they were able to see. You know, the, the main thing is Paolo working really closely with most and, and, and Paolo really pushing him around a little bit and most also embracing it. Um, is there anything else that you kind of saw throughout that time period that really, really stood out to you? Yeah, I joked actually with uh, with Mosley that he was holding a towel um, when we were speaking with him, like behind his back. And I joked with him, like, hey, you holding your back after all that work with Paolo down there? He's like, no, I'm just holding the towel. I was like, I'm just, I was just messing with him. That was the biggest thing, honestly. And we've, we've seen this with Mosley. Um, yeah, I guess since he's been hired, you know, the obviously the viral picture of him, who was that defending Jalen? Was it uh, last last training camp? I think that's who it was, Jalen Suggs. Yep, I know um, Mo Bamba too. Yeah, yeah Mo Bamba. And I saw I I uh, one time I was speaking with him after a practice, and I had a clip of him like working with Franz Wagner on um on his like Franz like this Euro step uh you want to call it, and he's like he was coaching him up on it. And that's like the big thing about Mosley. He's he's hands on. He's he's like he's in it with them. And I was talking with uh, Rick, Rick Carlisle for a story I was working on about Mosley that came out in March. And he just talked about you know NBA players are so dynamic. They're so athletic. You got to be in like pristine shape to be able to do this kind of stuff. Even just like if even if you're not going like all out like trying to block their shots or just to be able to keep up with them on the floor and bang with them. That's that, that you had to be in like a different kind of shape and to Mosley's credit he seems to be holding up well saw him with uh rj and paulo a clip of them i think they were working on pick and roll coverage or something like that i, I can't remember off the top of my head but he, he's in it with them but the, but the big thing is that it's, i guess more paulo specific mostly telling him like hey be forceful be you know use your strength punish people and it's not he's not just saying that like Moses not just saying that from like a distance like blowing the whistle hey do this that he's telling him like right behind his back hey man i'm guarding you push me back further put your weight on me don't be afraid etc etc and i think that's it's something like a detail that may get overlooked you know three weeks three years etc but those are the kinds of things that i think players can kind of gravitate towards because they're like oh yeah this dude's in it with me 100 percent that's a cool thing about about most man. It's like, I think we've seen it's such a he's such a player's coach. Like he's in it with the guys. He's really part of the experience with them. Um, so again, it's an outsider looking in. You love to see that from your coach, especially a young coach. You know, second season in the NBA, he's truly grinding with this guy. So you you love to see that. Now talking about Paolo real quick, what do you expect from him here in summer league? I know again, first game's coming up tomorrow. We're recording this on Wednesday night. Uh, against the Rockets, and surprisingly enough, it's against Jabari Smith, a guy that we expected the Magic to draft for for many, many weeks. I know Anthony's excited here. Um, that's going to be fun, number one. So what do you expect from Paolo, number one? And number two, Chet put on a show last night, which, again, people had had people in national media already talking about mm-hmm. how, hey, 
the Magic made a mistake. Magic fans were kind of debating, you know, did we make the right pick without seeing Paolo play yet? It's the funny part. So two-part question. What do you expect from Paolo tomorrow night in the chat? What were your, your takes on his first game? Uh, I'll go with Chet first. So first off, we were talking. I think we were talking about this off uh, offline. Man, you know, let me be respectful. Uh, I'm, it's, there's only so much for me to take away from a game like that, right? Like that, that Jazz team was – it, it wasn't the kind of players that Chet's going to even like, even in the Vegas Summer League. I actually don't know. I need to look at the Jazz roster. But even like when when preseason starts, that's not the caliber competition Chet's going to play. That's not taken away from Chet's game. Like there were things, if you look at process-wise, super impressive. I was so very impressed by how he played the, you know, played the gap. Uh, and this is something he did in college, but played the gap, you know, as the pick and roll defender. Um, and just being able to like corral the ball handle, but also stay close to the to the role man, like that kind of stuff. I was just like, oh yeah, he's got that down. Anticipation's down. You know, not having to jump, you know, to contest a shot, and then you jump, like timing's on it, down. And I will admit, the fadeaway, the the pull up fadeaway, the pull up behind uh, from beyond the arc, those were nice. My thing with, and this is not. So I thought Chet was impressive, and it was it was great to see. I'm happy for him. I'm happy that he had that kind of performance. It's, it's really dope. I don't want to take away anything from, it, anything from it at all. My thing is I'm more, especially with Summer League, it's more about process to me than the, re, the results. It's more about what guys do. Like I said, the biggest thing to me about Chet wasn't just the shots he made. It was how those shots came or how, you know, not just the blocks, but how those blocks came, how those contests came, how he played certain, uh, how the process of him as a defender, you know, like I said, in the pick and roll, you know, uh, keeping things in front of him was that's the kind of stuff i'm looking for more so than the actual like does he go i don't even know what he went what he go like five for seven on threes or five for six something like that like th that's great to see and gaudy's I, I think i even wrote this gaudy stat lines are awesome but to me this is more of a process game than a results game at least when it comes to summer league so going to paulo that's what i'm literally looking for i'm looking to see you know mostly really got on him and like, hey, you should be physical, et cetera. I'm trying to see, like, how much does that physicality carry over for Paulo from college, do these summer league practices, throughout summer league, into the games. I'm also trying to see, you know, what are his reads as a passer, right? Like, how is his processing speed as a passer? Is he making the right reads? Are they a little slow? Is his timing there? I think Paulo's a good passer, but this is the kind of stuff, when, you know, when you're adjusting to the speed of an NBA game, the rhythm, et cetera, your timing may not always be on point as it would be, you know, if you played in college or if, you know, you had more time. And I know this isn't the NBA preseason or regular season, but it's still against, you know, other professionals who are going to be a little bit stronger, a little bit faster, just a little bit more than what you face in college. Um, so that's the kind of stuff I'm looking for. You know, are his rotations on point? You know, is he is he on point with the, whatever defensive schemes they're going to be running out, you know, throughout the summer league? Uh, that that's the kind of stuff that I would look for and not just from Paulo, but every player, How, how's the aggressiveness, how's the, the energy from him, especially, you know, you're getting the, you're getting a good taste of what NBA life is like, right? You play on Thursday, you play Saturday, you play Monday, and then you play, I think Thursday again. So it's just like a game every other day. And then you get maybe two days in between, then you play another game so that you're getting a little bit like how's his energy from games. Again, he may not play in every game, but, how do you fall into that rhythm? It's just like a taste of it, if that if that makes sense. And you don't even you're not even you're not traveling though. So like that that aspect, it's almost like a homestand in that sense. What's going on, Magic fans? The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, 
you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down money in all major sports, baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over and unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Don't forget, the summer league's about to start, so it's a perfect opportunity for you to throw some money down and make some money. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. All you have to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, make your first deposit, and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah, and I, and I think that for the most part, you know, it's it's summer league, so you really can't get caught up on on stats. We've seen this um, up close in person with Franz Wagner, who you know didn't have a very impressive summer league, and you know preseason wasn't all that great. But the minute that it was real, you know, game time, you know, he, he was a player that you know we we've really like learned to love really quickly. Now, Paulo, his his very first game is going to be against Jabari Smith. Um, are you are you looking for anything in particular in regards to that specific matchup? And I think that one of the biggest things that people are looking at is one, Paulo didn't think he was going to go number one, and Jabari did think he was going to go number one. Um, is is should we be looking closely at that matchup just because of kind of the storylines and the headlines that are circling around them too specifically? I wouldn't. I I, I wouldn't look too much into it, um, especially since it maybe especially since it is summer league. Yeah, it'll be the first time they play since the draft. But I mean, I. I wouldn't personally. Like I said, there's just so much going on uh, throughout this, I guess, what, week and a half. It is an interesting thing to at least watch, but I'm not sure. Like, kind of like with the Chet thing, I don't want to, like, take away from anything he did. Like, what he did Tuesday night was was great. It was great to see. It was entertaining. And he was able, like, those. there were things in that, in the process of what he did that is real with him, right? Like, what Chet did, there were real things, tangible things that I do believe will translate to the season when it starts, but with Jabari versus Paulo, just kind of like, I mean, unless they truly like match up one-on-one. So that would actually be interesting to me if they actually like were guarding one another. And there may be like, like I said, more process things you can pick apart. Maybe not from storyline, but it's like, Hey, how does Jabari handle, uh, handle physicality? If Paulo's posting him up, uh, on whatever the low, uh, the left block, the right block, or even in, if he's, uh, in the pinch post, no, how you know how does how is uh Paulo moving on the perimeter if he's going Jabari and Jabari is running through screens coming off a pin down or whatever it may be like that kind of stuff you can pick up more so and that, that's less about like the storyline of it just more about the matchup like how like I said more process how does this player handle this um and maybe it's just something to work on and sometimes like you said with Franz sometimes it's like hey you have a bad week <laughs> and you can't have you have exactly. nothing to show for it it is. Yeah, sometimes you just have a bad week, you know. Look, Vegas is hot, man. So some guys did like, dang, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, I know what Franz was out in uh, Michigan for a couple of years, so he's like, dang, Ann Arbor. This ain't Ann Arbor, man. This is this is a different. This is a different. So sometimes it's it's just you have a bad week, and then people think, oh, I had a bad summer league. 
you only got a week. So there have been guys who have been summer league, have not performed well at summer league, and they have good careers um, or good seasons the following season. There have been summer league legends that you just don't hear about again. So shout uh, out, shout out Kevin Knox. Oh, wow. Whew. That's a throwback. I forgot about <laughs> So you're you're going to be getting to Vegas early in the morning to cover the the next upcoming game. So we're definitely looking forward to um, hearing some some of the behind the scenes stories coming out of that. Um, kind of transitioning into our our Patreon members mailbag, where our Patreons were able to submit some questions directly to you, Kobe. And and one of the first things that they wanted to know is, in your opinion, who do you feel is going to have the the biggest breakout? Um, on this roster, if we're not including obviously Paolo, but who who do you think will definitely you know take things to the next level? Who has the best shot of doing so? So yeah, so there there's a weird because I have like multiple answers to the, this question depending on how you ask it. Uh, breakout, I want to say Cole. Um, because it's funny. I've been I was asked a different version of this question. It was just, I think I forget how it was worded, but it was like, who do you think surprises people most next season compared to last season? I, I said Wendell. I think people kind of maybe not forgot, but because of like, you know, you draft Paulo and Markel came back, X, Y, and Z, like all this stuff happened towards the end of the season. Like, I think people almost overlooked how good of a, like how much Wendell progressed as the season went on. Yes. Um, And that's not to say he's going to, you know, be the 20 or whatever it was like 19 and 11, 20 and 10 guy. He was at the end of the season to start next season, but there was a real tangible growth almost like each and every month, especially from November, December on that he made. And I think he's going to come out this season, you know, just knowing him, the work ethic, you know, how much he's investing in himself um, and how, you know, he's not satisfied at all with the growth he made, the progress he made as a player. I think he's going to maybe not surprise people. He's going to remind people at least like, hey, like I'm like you can agree or disagree with this comment. But Jeff Wilman said that he thinks Wendell solidified himself as the top center. I think Wendell's going to come out and be like, hey, there's no maybes about this, man. Like I'm here. And I, I think that's something that I don't know if people are like, I don't know how much that's on people's minds right now. It's like where, where Wendell can go with his career as a guy who's, you know, he he dominated the simple parts of the game last season. Like he really got better. Just like hey, all those simple things, the putbacks, transition, all the simple stuff, we're taking like uh, what do you call it? The, the low hanging fruit. We're we're eating that. We're eating all that low hanging fruit. We're getting that. It's all good. And then build off that. You know, you get a little bit more responsibilities as a ball uh, as a offensive hub. A little bit more responsibilities in isolation. A little bit more responsibilities on the post. You know, we're building on that. So I think you'll have a little bit more to build off of next season. Even if the dynamics are a little different, you know, Paula has the ball a little bit more. Markel has the ball a little bit more. You know, the response, the ball handling responsibilities are a little bit more spread out than they were last season. I think he's got to watch out for. I say Cole because I think there's this, there's been a whole lot of conversation. I've seen Lucas with him just like, hey, Cole Anthony's role, six man starter. Hey, like he can't, he can't be a starter, X, Y, and Z. I mean, Cole, like, I know that like, there are warts to his game or there are things he needs to, I should say, there are things he needs to definitely improve on. But he's got the talent and the work ethic to get to a different level. And I think this um, – if he's the kind of – I think he's a guy who's going to buy in. There's an ecosystem, I think, in place to help him get to that different level of career. And when I mean different level, just more consistent level. You had a peak of it 
at the beginning of the season before he started dealing with the ankle injuries, right? Um, and that really hampered, you know, that really took down a part of the season. Like, if you look pre-ankle injury, ankle injuries, like what I was dealing with them, and then, like, post-ankle injuries, it was a different level of player. Um, so you get the offseason healthy, work on his game, and I think there's there's aspects of his game that were maybe overlooked because of all the flashy, you know, great shooting nights. Like, I think he's a better passer than people believe he is. And I know that's because, well, you know, he takes a lot of shots, but there's a level of passing that he, he, he may buy into this season um, that will help Mace. Maybe it's not going to be like this humongous statistical jump. I'm not saying there's an average 25 points, but there's going to be, I guess, a little bit more uh, maybe as the season-long uh, reliability, if that makes sense. Now, with that being said, you talked about calling to this role next season. The expectation along amongst Magic fans is that he will be the sixth man of the team. Jalen Suggs starts at the two. If that were the case, and you got Cole Anthony as the sixth man, do you think that he would embrace that role? And if not, what role do you see him playing in the team next season? Yeah, I, I think you know, Coach will kind of. I think if Coach Mosley and the coaching staff say, "Hey, this is the best role that we see fit," and have a conversation with him about it, I think he's going to buy into it and just do the best that he can do. Um, I don't think like I don't think there's a bad move. Like I don't think it's, there's a bad choice between you know we're assuming the other starters are Markel, Franz, Wendell, and Paolo. So it's like, are you going to start Jalen? Are you going to start Cole? Whatever it may be, I don't think there's like quote unquote a bad choice. It's almost like based off how do you want to start. Sometimes I think starting lineups are a little overstated, just because you know guys start. Like if Cole starts, uh, not rather if Cole comes off the bench, he's still going to come in and play 25, 26, 27, probably even more minutes a game. Like yep. that guard rotation is going to be completely, you know, pretty even, I would imagine. Um, shoot, Cole may – I'm not saying this is going to happen. Cole may come off the bench and play more minutes than Jalen. It just may work out like 27 versus 25 minutes a night or 28 versus 26. So I think whatever the role is, he's just going to play his style, play his game regardless. And I think he can do that regardless of what his, what if he's starting, coming off the bench. It's – his role is, I guess, he as a player is kind of he is who he, who he is as a player. Yeah, and when when it comes to the starting lineups, I feel like people have really made that like a a, a massive debate, right? Which guard are you going to start? And then if we get Jonathan Isaac back, like fully healthy, what do you do with Jonathan Isaac? The Orlando Magic, we were the second worst team in the NBA, and we got the number one pick. So we're assuming that Paul is going to remain the starter. How could you not start your number one? But Jonathan Isaac it's no secret that we've viewed him as being the most talented player on the roster. What do you do with Jonathan Isaac if he's healthy? I think, think you do what I think most people would expect from this magic group. You let him come back slowly. Um, what, I, what I mean by that is he's going to probably, he's going to be in the rotation, but likely in a bench role, you know, coming off the bench playing, you know, his minutes will probably increase incrementally as time goes on. I mean, as we say this out loud, but I feel like sometimes it gets forgotten. Like he's missed two, like over two years of playing time. And I know it's, 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 um, I know we just had what Clay Thompson come back and he, you know, he jumped back into the starting lineup almost immediately, or maybe he did immediately. I forget. I think he did come back in the starting lineup his first game back. But a lot of times, you know, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You got to work yourself back. And even he, like, he was starting, but his minutes were so, like, they were restricted minutes. So it's kind of where he would, like, play the first five minutes of the first quarter. And then you may not see him again until, like, the second quarter, right? Uh, or, like, late in the second quarter. So he'd be on the bench for a decent amount of time. But yeah, like, he's missed by the time October rolls around. I'm pretty sure it'd been like 26 months of time that he just hasn't played. 
So yeah, I'm not I'm not expecting them to just them to throw him out there and be like, all right, you get a starting job and et cetera, X, Y, and Z, or you're playing like major high level minutes. It's like I truly do believe they're gonna slow play it. They're gonna you know, take their time with him, just kind of like they did with Markel. Even if it have even if it has been more time, that's just kind of been their mo to me. Just being around the team, they're not gonna rush him. They're not gonna rush his minutes. They're just gonna let it be. And really, there's no for the team. There's not like there's incentive, but you already have other bodies to go. It's not like you're like oh we need to fill in this time. Like we need to get you back because we have no other guy. You got Mo. You, well, I guess I should say you got the Mo's. You got the Mo's. You got Wendell. You got Paulo. You got Chuma. You got Franz who can slide up too. Like you have so much, so many guys who can fill that four or five spot, four or five three spot. So it's it's kind of like there's no like from the team side, there's very little need to rush him. And I think they're just they're going to take their time, whatever they see fit. Um, but I would be all that to say, if he starts at least from day one, I would be quite surprised. Now, if you see this roster staying intact, so Terrence Ross stays, this is it. We're going to next season with this roster. What are your personal projections for this team? What do you think they're capable of doing? And what do you actually think they'll do next season, assuming things again stay as they are? Yeah, well, one, they're going to have to make it. They don't have to think about this now, but at some point they have, you know, once they sign everybody, once they sign Mo, officially sign him, once they officially sign Caleb, um, once they officially uh, Houston, and once they officially sign Bull Bull, they'll need to. They'll have 16 guys. You can carry up to 20 guys during the offseason, but you'll need to get to 15 standard roster spots by the beginning of the season. So someone will have to be cut from the equation, um, unfortunately. But you know, this is a team I could see them making. You know, someone asked me, I think maybe a couple of weeks ago, like their their range. I could see this being a 32-ish to 36-ish win team. Um, just off of self-improvement, you know, a healthier, healthier team. I don't think that's without the question. I know that sounds like a 10 win jump, but I like, as like, as we were saying, talking about earlier, I think some of the injury misfortune um, and just the direction of the season kind of, you know, muddy, uh, muddled, whatever you want to say, uh, like the perception of like what the team could be. I don't see why they couldn't get to like at least 32 wins, 33 wins, 34, which would be, for a team that gets the number one pick and then the following season, that's pretty significant. What I, I've looked at the history of number one picks, at least recently, you know, usually when you get the number one pick, you make a marginal improvement. If you make any in terms of the win column, like it, I'm talking about, you may win like two to three or four more games next season to win 10 more games. When you're that low is easier than if you're going from like 30 to 40 or 40 to 50, you know what I'm saying? But it's still like something that isn't seen a lot, but there's also more young talent on this team than you usually get when you get the number one pick. Yeah. And I, and I think you bring up a really good point just because, you know, you can't, you can pinpoint in one too many factors on why, you know, the record was what it was. Health is definitely one, but then you take a look at, you know, development from Franz, from Cole, hopefully RJ Hampton, you start bringing, you know, all these players back there feeling more comfortable playing with one another. And then us not really focusing too much on, you know, maybe, the because with the injuries there's so many replacements uh, and players that we had to pull from from our Lakeland team and, and our two ways and whatever the case may be, um, I can definitely see there being a a larger um, growth. But are we looking at playing? Is that is that a real possibility? Uh, I, I personally, should, I'm should like, that should that be an expectation for the team? 
Mm, that's that's tough because I mean, to me, if you get to playing, I mean, because what what was the plan? Like, what were the who were the playing teams last year? Cleveland, Atlanta, um, uh, Charlotte, Charlotte. There wasn't there. Well, there hasn't been one more. Ah, was it was it was it Brooklyn? Brooklyn. There we go. Brooklyn. Yes, there, there we go. Yeah, because it was it was Brooklyn versus Cleveland, and then Charlotte versus Atlanta. Um, I mean, I think all those teams won. I want to say thirty-eight to forty games. So the tenth seed was Charlotte. They won yeah. forty-three games. They won forty. See, there we go. I I didn't realize they won forty-three. So this, I mean, like if you're so, let's say I didn't realize it was at that high. Yeah, 43. yeah. I, I I knew Charlotte was number. I knew Charlotte was ten because I remember that game, the Charlotte Atlanta being in Atlanta. But I didn't realize they. I, Completely forgot they were. I thought they had like a 40 and 42 or 41 and 41. I didn't realize they got to 43. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just a tough, that's a tough jump. Like, so let's even say, like, you know, the number, because Charlotte, I think, is going to be worse this year than they were last year. Um, but let's say that they get to, you know, 38 wins. Like, that's a 16 win improvement that you're expecting from last year's team. I think that's such a, so to me, I don't think the playing's expectation, um, just because the, the grow the growth or the jump in win percentage is just so I mean it, I could see them doing it just because there is so much young talent on this team. There is so much uh there could be a lot more growth. I mean you you talked about um you mentioned vets you mentioned Markel and JI as vets. I mean to me like um Wendell is kind of in that space, right? Wendell and Mo yeah. Bamba, like they're young vets. They're entering their fifth seasons of their career. Like this is when you start turning to they're still young players, but they can be called young vets in a way. Um, so the, there are, you know, there are guys who can make, help make that step, but that's, that, that's a lot. You rarely see that kind of jump, especially the year one after having the number one pick, I think year two. So Paulo Banquero second season, that's definitely an expectation without a doubt. I wouldn't even rule out playoffs. Like we even saw with Cleveland this year. What was this? This was year three for Darius. I know it's not number one pick, but year three for you, like whatever your cornerstone uh, player is or along with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, like year three of Darius Garland, you, you know, you had in the second season or I guess after a half season of Jared Allen, then you make the jump, but asking for the jump this season, I wouldn't be shocked by it, but that's just at, like, that would be just, that, that would be a lot that, that would, it would be impressive too. Cause like I said, it's just not something you see often. Yeah, if it's something that you did see, I mean, at that point, we're we're looking at most improved player of the year. We're looking at coach of the year. We're looking at a lot of the accolades <laughs> to to be able to get a team to jump that high. And just to kind of put it in perspective, I mean, we're looking at Knicks um, that were in the 11th seed at 37 wins. Wizards, they were in 12 with 35. And then the Pacers kind of dipped a lot more with, with 25 wins. So definitely a major, major jump if we wanted to get into that plan for sure. Yeah, that like I said, I'm not ruling it out because like I said, maybe the East is the bot the bottom, not the bottom, like the mid the middle of the East is a little bit worse. You mentioned the Pacers. Um they they're in a different direction. I mean, they obviously traded Brogdon. I don't know what's gonna happen Miles Turner. Like their teams, I think they're gonna come down a little bit. Atlanta's going up to me. Brooklyn, who knows what they're gonna do. Um, but more than likely than not, they're gonna come down. So there's gonna be movement. But can the Magic win enough games or maybe, you know, maybe the quality of that middle is not going to be as good as last year where, you know, maybe 37 wins gets the tents instead of, you know, 43 you needed last year. Maybe it does. And maybe that's how, you know, Orlando could sneak in. Um, but I also know Orlando's priority is going to remain the the development of these young guys and getting their opportunities. So if the opportunity is there, I mean, I think history, well, 
plans very recent. Recent history suggests that the plan is actually a very good thing for young players. Um, I'm thinking about Memphis. Uh, right. They were in it twice, right? They were in, in the plan against Portland the first time it, it happened in the bubble. And then they were in it 2021. They played Golden State. I forget that. Oh, they played, I think, San Antonio, then Golden State, um, if I'm remembering correctly. But yeah, I think, and then you just, you can kind of get, you can get that. Uh, it's almost like a microwave playoff experience. Even if you lose, you get the feel of like do or die, you know, stakes, uh, the adjustments, everything. So I think it, the plan's a cool concept, not just because it's like, it's cool to follow, follow on, but I think it actually does help young guys get a better feel for, hey, this is what these kind of games feel like. This is what a playoff games feel like. And I think that's the part that's going to be the, the funnest is is being able to see exactly what what major impacts you know Paolo will have on the other guys. One of the main reasons why Paolo was so attractive is the fact that we really haven't had that that go to piece, and and we feel as if you know Paolo may be that. Um, and then Kobe, kind of going into our our last question before we wrap it up. Um, this is this one's for you personally, but how do you intend to cover the Orlando Magic kind of differently? this upcoming year based on something that maybe you've learned, you know, this, this past season, is there anything that you would tweak differently in or, or how you would change your approach? Yeah, no, for sure. I definitely learned. I think some of it would be a little bit more, um, a little bit more in depth, uh, a little bit more, I guess, beneath the surface. I'm going to call it that in terms of coverage, in terms of stories, uh, you know, there are ideas that sometimes you have that you're just like, Oh, I don't know if I'm going to do this because like the timing of it, et cetera, et cetera. But I think I'll I'll probably use more time to go a little bit more in depth on stories that I kind of scratched the surface on last season. Like some of those stories that may have been like more surface level, like dive a little bit deeper into explaining, you know, why this happened. Like, why did the magic do this on this in this game? Or why has this trend been like this the past few games? Diving a little bit more into the specifics and explaining the ins and out a little bit better. Um, I guess I guess an example would be. I guess looking to the past this past season, uh, why why does why 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 does the Magic defense rating improve so much when Jalen Suggs is on the floor? Is it all Jalen? Is it the lines he plays in? Is it something he's doing? Something that his teammates around him are doing? Like that kind of stuff, like that you know, a little bit deeper, so there can be a little bit greater understanding of what's happening both on and off the floor. Yeah, and I think that's something that we definitely look forward to um, to finding out. You're going to be in Vegas. We're, we're definitely going to hear um, some of the things coming out of there. Really excited to kind of see how the Orlando Magic play out throughout this summer league. So a lot of exciting stuff um, definitely coming up this week. Kobe, I want to take the time to say thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. If you aren't already following Kobe, make sure that you follow him on Twitter at Kobe underscore price as K-H-O bi underscore price and then if you haven't already subscribed to orlando sano it's definitely a, a big definite must do because this is where you get all the inside scoops on everything happening with the orlando magic um on that note kobe i appreciate it thank you so much for joining us and it's a wrap catch you guys next week appreciate it thanks for having me thank you for listening to the ozone podcast the voice of magic fans for all the latest orlando magic news and updates follow us on twitter at the ozone pod and on instagram at orlando magic hq remember to subscribe and leave a five-star review on all your favorite podcast listening platforms